Welcome to the College Prep Genius Radio Show, where we can answer all your questions about getting college for free. Today, your host is Jean Burke, the author of College Prep Genius, The No-Brainer Way to SAT Success, and you can find her at collegeprepgenius.com. And I'm the moderator, Felice Gerwitz. Welcome. Hey everyone, welcome to the College Prep Genius Podcast. Uh, today, Jean Burke is going to be talking to you about charting your course checklist. This is going to help you to prepare uh, your kids for SAT prep, and um, this is going to be wonderful. We are going to actually do a series today. We're going to tackle 11th and 12th grade, and then we are going to go down the line all the way to fourth to sixth grade. Yes, you're fourth and sixth graders need to do some college prep. And, you know, you can't start too early, as Jean always says. This is episode 82, and you can find the show notes for today's episode at collegeprepgenius.com forward slash podcast. And look for chart your course 11th through 12th grade. So uh, Jean, uh, go ahead and take it away, and then I'll jump back in at the very end. And be sure, though, because she'll forget to tell you, check out her website at collegeprepgenius.com. Great. I'm really excited about the chart your course checklist, because I think one of the biggest questions that we get a lot is, what should I be doing and when? You know, And I think a lot of times, uh, parents I meet at different conferences they're at a loss because they've been given wrong information or they feel like they're under the gun or at the very last minute trying to scramble. And so right now, as we're entering in the fall, we've got families who have juniors and seniors. And, and I think both are probably feeling like they're under crunch time. So I really want to kind of give you an, a good overview on your checklist of what you should be doing. And I'm going to talk about the five P's when it comes to getting into college, the pre-college, picking a college, procedure to college, paying for college, and preparing for college tests. So let's jump into pre-college. And, you know, you hear a lot about what is the uh, right college for your student. You know, there's so many thousands of colleges to choose from. And it comes down to the one that's the best fit for your student because there's no one size fits all. And I think it's important that students understand that uh, they, they probably do well at more than one college, uh, but they can find a, a really good fit for them. And you know, whether you're checking out college fairs that come to local high schools, you know, even if they're homeschooled, a lot of states have homeschool uh, college fairs. I know we have a really huge one here in Texas that's just phenomenal. And people wanna know how, how she's so successful. We always maxed out the Grapevine Convention Center every January, just wall-to-wall people in colleges, and it's amazing. But even if you don't have one, if you're homeschool and you don't have one, you, you can attend the ones in the high schools. And they usually are somewhere around the fall, sometimes early spring. So just, you know, check with your local schools. And, you know, when it comes to college, and I, I've done this long enough to know that not everybody's going to go to college, and, and it's not for everyone. I think there are definitely good reasons to go to college, certainly continuing their education or getting their life career skills down, getting that degree. Um, it also opens up doors to studying abroad. So I think it, 
there's a whole new world out there. Both my kids got to study abroad in different countries and it was amazing and it was very life changing. And now they, they've traveled many, many countries because it really got their interest up to, you know, see the world. Um, college is a great place to explore your interests because, you know, you're not, maybe you're going in not knowing what you want to study. Maybe you have an idea or you, know, you may change it, but you can take different classes that can really maybe point you into a different direction. It also gives our teenagers some freedom, but also responsibility. They're kind of having one foot at home and one foot kind of out in the world with that safety net there. But it does, you know, teach them, you know, hey, mom's not going to be there to wake you up and tell you you've got a paper due or you've got, you know, uh, a, an exam tomorrow or a social event next week. So that, you kind of have to set yourself up for, you know, real life. And of course, meeting people. And I think you know, you can get some great contacts, some lifelong friends when it comes to, you know, going to college uh, and, and, and really helping you just learn to schedule and organize and ultimately be responsible and, and hopefully dis disciplined for your future career. Now, I also have heard a lot of lame reasons why not to go to college. I've heard people say it's too expensive, which I think is probably the number one thing I hear all the time. Well, you know, if you've heard any of my other podcasts, there's so many ways to go to college for free or very, very cheap. And so don't let that be the reason. Um, as I'm writing a new book, Talise doesn't know this yet, but I've been working two years on a book about how anyone can go to college for free. Uh, I'm just amazed at the different venues and directions, depending on where you're at, what you're doing, how you can get that free college. Um, some people say it's just too hard. Well, you know, anything that's worth having might be hard. If it was, you know, if it was easy, you know, it might be something everybody's doing. But of course, there's going to be work involved. Sometimes students say, "Well, my grades aren't good enough." Uh, you know, again, um, there's ways to go about that. Certainly, your SAT scores can mitigate, you know, a low GPA. But then there are also colleges that give scholarships to students uh, that don't have a stellar grade point average, and because they love a challenge. Uh, Students often say they don't know what they're going to study, so that they're not going to go to college. If you ask most students who graduate from college, probably they would tell you that they changed their major one or two or maybe even three times. So even students going in knowing what they're going to study may end up, you know, uh, completely pivoting. So that's really no excuse. I've got something better to do. Well, okay, if you can find something that you're happy in and, and can give you a career or be able to sustain your life uh, where you can, you know, pay for, you know, your life and your family. Great. Uh, but, you know, that's very, very hard to find sometimes. Most, most uh, high-power jobs, in, in a sense, require some kind of degree. Not even high-power, but just most uh, good jobs require some kind of um, piece of paper that says, yes, I finished college. And none of my family went to college. Well, you know, that's a better reason to go to college. Because, number one, there's scholarships available for students who are first-time uh, college attendees. So that's great. And none of my friends are going. Well, you know, you and I as a parent, you know, when will we ever let our kids say, well, you know, my friends, you know, are doing this or not doing that. And when does that ever matter? We don't care what your friends do or don't do. So, you know, there are a lot of excuses. But if you remove the excuses and you remove the the money issues, then what else are you doing the next four years of your life? You know, maybe going into the military, maybe going into the, on a mission field. Those are great um, adventures as well. Uh, but, you know, definitely check out college, even if you don't think you want to go. 
I think uh, there's a lot of great free websites about what, you know, maybe what to study. Maybe you're not quite sure directions. Um, you can have, you know, your, your son or daughter take one of those career slash motivation tests really to kind of help understand what drives them personally, personality tests, career tests. Uh, you know, again, you don't let these pigeonhole you into you know, a certain box, but they kind of are good indicators to kind of help you understand and guide your child, you know, better. So while these tests don't have all the answers, they can at least get you on the right path early, which ultimately can save you a lot of time and money for the future. Uh, some of the, some of the websites that I talk about are testingroom.com careerfitter.com, uh, yourfreecareertest.com, assessment.com. Uh, there's a lot more that, that are on the online, but I think that's going to at least get you started. Some great books out there too. Uh, Ultimate Aptitude Test, uh, Get Motivated, Overcoming Any Obstacles. So again, doing some good research can help you just to maybe, you know, start you out on the right foot. So I want to get into, um, we're talking about juniors and seniors and what you should be doing right now. And so I'm going to kind of do them back to back when it comes to, uh, you know, various areas of getting ready for college. So first of all, you always want your kids to finish strong. And that means if they've had a rough year or their GPA is not that great, they can still come back and, you know, overcome some obstacles. For seniors, taking some AP courses can really help. Not only can you get some college credit, but it really looks good on a transcript because it's, a, it's a more of a rigorous course load that colleges can look at. It shows mastery. If you do have a child who has a low GPA, you know, you can get an alternative transcript by having them take some dual credit at the college. That shows a, call, uh, you know, a university that, hey, yes, I wasn't doing that great, but, you know, I, I actually came back and I, I uh, was able to take college classes and get a really high score. And of course, beware of senioritis for those seniors because, you know, they're going to start getting a little bit laxed in, in schoolwork and we really want to keep, keep them on track. Uh, for juniors, this is your ta-da year. In, in other words, you're going to go to college on everything that you've accomplished up until the end of the junior year. This includes your GPA, your ranking, your test scores, everything. Okay. So, uh, make sure you take a manageable course load at school or whether you're homeschooled or, or in public or private schools. And, you know, also too, you can be looking into doing some AP classes too, because that's going to really, you know, really help that GPA as far as, you know, weighted versus unweighted. Uh, you know, definitely take some challenging courses, um, but the course load, you know, don't be too aggressive. You don't want to max your subjects out uh, and not have anything really left to create a strong schedule in your senior year. So stay strong in those core classes. You know, make sure you're getting those four credits of English and math and three history and science. You know, I have all that on my roadmap. If you don't have a um, plan or know how many credits your students should be taking each year, you can download my roadmap at collegeprepgenius.com forward slash roadmap. And that will really get you started on the three-tier high school plan. So let's talk about picking a college. That was pre-college. That was what you do beforehand. What should you be doing at high school? But let's talk about now the, the picking of a college. I, I first of all recommend that your students set up a separate email than their normal personal email. It could be suzy.scholarships at gmail.com. Something very simple. But this is where any college uh, uh, materials, scholarship information should go there. It keeps it 
separate. It keeps it in a nice, neat place that doesn't get lost amongst all your other information. So after you set that up, then, you know, kind of start thinking about your your types of colleges that, that are out there. And, you know, you hear about the safe reach and dream colleges. Your safe college is kind of the one that you know you can get in without any problem at all. Your reach is the college that you think, well, I probably could get in it, not sure. And then there's that dream college of, boy, if I could go anywhere, that's the place I'd want to go. And I think that a lot of times students really don't, you know, they kind of maybe push off the dream college and not even think about it. But, and I've talked about this before, but, you know, believe it or not, sometimes the most expensive colleges have the most money to give. So again, don't use finances as an excuse to not pursuing maybe a college that, you know, that, that's kind of been on your heart. And you want to identify about 10 colleges uh, that fall in between the safe reach and dream um, areas. And, and do peruse their sites. Uh, using that new email, request more information, contact those co admissions counselors. And they want, they want to hear from you. They want to talk with you. You want to build that rapport. And fill out a comparison chart. And, and I, I have this in my one book, but there's really about 50 things that you need to consider when it comes to college. Most, most people think about the top three. They think about, you know, cost, location, and size of school. But there's so many more having to do with requirements and Greek life and facilities and faculty and just a lot more. But you do want to compare all the all your 10 colleges that you kind of narrowed down and then start ranking them in order from favorite to least. Uh, and then if possible, set up some college visits. And certainly we're in a situation where you may be doing a lot of virtual visits. Um, but you know what, we kind of have to fit and mold into what's going on. So um, definitely put that on your, on your schedule. And now when it comes to picking a major, you know, you may have a major already in mind or you're maybe going in undecided, but some great places to get started are going to the U.S. Department of Education. They have a college navigator site that you can go in and you can actually put in information about maybe a certain region that you want to go to school or certain degree, whether it's engineering or whether it's um, economics or whatever. And that can help you narrow down some of the colleges that have certain fields. And then you want to set up a profile at capex.com. That's C-A-P-P-E-X.com. And what happens when you set the profile is that you can put in some information like your GPA, your ranking, your test scores, and put in the type of colleges or maybe certain colleges that you want to go to, and it creates a graph for you. So it kind of starts to give you a, a in-your-face reality check. So, for example, you might want to go to Texas A&M, and you put in that your test score is 1,000. Well, it's going to show you that, for example, and I this is just off the top of my head, this is not how it is, but it might show you that 99% of students who came to Texas A&M were declined with a, with a test score of 1,000. So and what that does is that shows you, okay, now I know where what I need to do. I need to raise my score up, you know, 200 points, for example. So I think it's a really good way to see if you're on track or, or what you need to do for the, for the future. And then I think when it comes to looking at more private schools, I think you might be surprised uh, that they, they probably are more affordable than you think, or maybe even, you know, virtually free. Uh, you can go to tuitiontracker.org. 
um, and that can help you when it comes to looking at some of the schools that maybe you've already ruled out. And you know, when we're talking about those 50 considerations, you know, we're, we're talking uh, things beyond the few things I talked about. Uh, and I think it's important that you understand what are the admissions requirements and, you know, do they have security on campus? Do they have a clinic if I were to get sick? There's just a lot of things to consider because a lot of a lot of students will get into college and think, "Wow, I I didn't realize that this happened or that you know they they didn't have something that I thought was very important to me." Now, when you when you make call, contact with the colleges, you know you you you're emailing the admissions office. You know, make sure you get their name, their email, phone number, uh, and the person that they assigned to you, and start creating some kind of dialogue with them. And because doing this in the junior year before you start starting you know, filling out those applications. And, you know, taking those tours is important. But if you're a junior and you're just, you're just visiting, review those admissions requirement deadlines. Deadlines are, are important. If you haven't applied, you know, again, check on the status and see if they need anything. Get to know the FAO, that is the financial aid officer of, of the college. Uh, as, as a junior, you're checking on scholarship opportunities. As a senior, you're checking on any status of any financial packages that you've been offered. You know, we just passed October 1, which is the opening date for the FAFSA. And, you know, I, I've got podcasts about the FAFSA. There's close to, I think I nailed down somewhere around 20 huge mistakes that people make on the FAFSA. About 80% of families make 80%, uh, I'm sorry, 80% of families make mistakes on the FAFSA that lose them out on money and i've seen as much as a twenty thousand dollar difference so uh start looking into the fafsa and why it's important for you as, as, as a senior now if you're aiming for those competitive colleges uh you're going to have to start applying courts toward the end of the junior year doesn't mean your seniors can't you know but sometimes they have those you know application deadlines that you've got to, that you have to get in so what is the difference, but if we were to narrow down a large school versus a small school, um, and certainly there's medium-sized schools, but I think people think in terms of large and small, larger schools have more areas of specialized study, uh, which obviously means they have more courses in each area. It, it tends to have more anonymity. So if you want to be lost in a classroom with a, of a couple hundred kids, you know, a large college is a place to go. Of course, they have greater range of extracurricular activities. They have larger libraries, and a lot of them have their own graduate departments. Now, small schools, on the other hand, have more of a personal atmosphere. Certainly, the classes are going to be smaller with you know less students. Uh, it, it does allow you to have more personal discussions and interactions. Definitely, if you're one of those people, you may want to have greater chance for individual participation. You, you just like that. Uh, easier access to faculty, you know, maybe make distinguishing yourself with your professors um, and having some more of a flexible programs. So that's kind of the uh, two, several big differences between if you're going to a large college versus a small college. Now, when it comes to the college visit, uh, you know, definitely check their site because they have specific visit times throughout the year that they have certain dates that they set aside that students come, they uh, come to the school and you know they tour with everyone else. I, I like the idea of going on a non-scheduled time, so it's not so you're not lost in the crowd. You know, right now, you know things was up in the air with the pandemic and all. You know, again, things that may be a little different. Certainly, you, you may be looking to more virtual tours, 
But if once they do resume, you definitely want to schedule a visit with the admissions counselor. This gives you an opportunity to go sit in on a class, see what it's like to be amongst these college students and having a professor really just give you a lecture that you may may not be used to. Maybe if you're used to, you know, the basic high school, sometimes you're just breezing through high school and barely cracking the book and all of a sudden now it's real, it's real academics here. And, and then, you know, when, this is important too, because when you are actually at the campus touring the, the school, make sure that you look at the student center or the, the common area, uh, their library, their bookstore. And I think one of the fun things, and my son, I remember my son did this back um, when he was um, in high school, uh, sitting the night in a dorm you know, getting the feel of what it's like to actually live on campus, which I do recommend all freshmen do, uh, because it's a great way to get to know your fellow classmates. E eating the cafeteria. I mean, just get the whole experience. Now, I want to talk about procedure to college. Uh, and again, I want to talk about both the seniors and the juniors. So seniors, um, your FAFSA. This is the application that everybody needs to fill out uh, when you're going to college and you know it, there's a lot of myths about the FAFSA about how it's for the poor and all that that's not true everyone is entitled to some type of money I mean if you win the lottery or you you know get publisher clearinghouse knock it on your door you still fill out the FAFSA no matter what um, and the opening date is October 1 so we're just a few days out of that it's not the deadline it's the opening date and you want to do fill out the FAFSA as soon as you can because sometimes uh, it's a first come first serve basis and sometimes the free money is gone. So you need to fill out an FSA ID first um, and you want one of the, the out of the 20 or so mistakes that people make one of the biggest ones is people go onto the FAFSA website and they hit the button that says start your FAFSA now. Do not do that. Don't be as my friend says ready set shoot aim ready aim shoot <laughs> um, you know don't don't do that 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 is why 80% of families make mistakes you don't want to do that you you want to do a couple things you want it to go to the FAFSA forecaster which is going to give you kind of an idea of your your family contribution but very crucially you want to download the FAFSA worksheet it's a PDF uh, you want to download it you want to print it out use your pencil fill it out double check it, triple check it, get everything filled out on paper, you know, make sure that you've got it all correct before you actually fill out the password because once you hit submit, it's almost like an act of Congress to get it back and to edit it. So very, very important. You know, you can get that estimation of your COA. The secret formula that colleges use is called COA minus EFC equals need. And that is the cost of attendance, minus estimated family contribution equals need. Now the word need doesn't mean you're needy, doesn't mean you're poor. It just means that's the amount of money that the college has said that you need to be able to have to, that you uh, to, to pay to, for college. Uh, you know, again, there are colleges that meet up to 80 to 100% of that need. So again, uh, finances should not be the reason why you don't go to college. Uh, now let's talk about juniors. Uh, for your procedure to college, you can set your ID up right now because it might take a few days, a few weeks. So it's always good to go ahead and get that ahead of time. Uh, and about it's about a year before you 
still at the FAFSA. So if you're you have a junior right now, this is the best time uh, for you to actually you can actually start shifting you know assets from reportable to non-reportable status. You know because that could lead to you know to income such as you know realizing capital gains when an investment is sold or you know it's best to. Uh, do this prior to the base year so it doesn't artificially inflate your income. And these, this is illegal. This is not something, uh, you know, under the table or anything. And so uh, you can do some very strategic positioning of assets. Students' assets are assessed more heavily than your parents' asset on your FAFSA. So a portion of your assets are sheltered by what's called the asset protection allowance. And that's based on the age of the older parent. Any remaining assets are assessed on a bracket on a bracket scale from 2.6 to 5.6. And a student's assets, you know, are somewhere around 20%. Uh, you know, that's how they're ranked. So, you know, again, there's things that you can be doing, uh, you know, for, for your student, at, you know, as a junior before they, you start filling out the FAFSA in that, in that senior year. Now, note that the asset protection allowance has, you know, it's been decreasing, um, but, you know, nevertheless, prior, Parent assets will still have less of an impact on any eligibility aid that you know for, than your student's assets. So definitely, it's clearly better for a parent to save for college in their name, not the student's name. It's a, a big mistake that, that that a lot of parents tend tend to make. And let me tell you something kind of cool. And this is for people who have are lower income, and that is a thing called the simplified need test. And what this does is this will disregard all assets on your FAFSA if your AGI or your adjusted gross income is less than $50,000 um, and, and your family satisfies, you know, one of these additional criteria, which is the parents are eligible to file a 1040A or 1040EZ or someone in the household receives a, a means-tested federal benefits within the last couple of years. Or, you know, you, your kids are on free or reduced lunches. So, or your parent is, is a dislocated worker. So, uh, you know, again, that AGI is, can be where you might have, you know, lots of assets that aren't counted in. And that, you know, again, I'm not a CPA, I'm not a financial advisor, but these are just some things that are out there that you can check more into. So make sure you check with somebody who knows more than I do. Um, and then the last thing for a junior is, uh, I would say if there is money that you have saved up, spend the assets strategically. So let's say, for example, there's some leftover assets in a student and parent's name. It's best to spend down the student's asset first to pay for college before using any of the parent's assets. Uh, this is going to help prevent the, that assets from affecting that eligibility. So keep, keep in mind, a lot of families have put in a five, they did a 529 college saving plan. Well, you know, again, sometimes those can come back and bite you in the rear because they take out a huge chunk of that. I, I, I've often heard it said that it's, those aren't necessarily worth it unless you somewhere, make somewhere over $250,000 because you'll never necessarily be able to save up enough money to pay for college. So, again, uh, check, check with someone who's more knowledgeable about that than me. And definitely knowing when it comes to procedure to college, knowing – the terminology. A lot of families will get confused about early action or early decision. So let me kind of break it down. Early action is when a student applies early in the senior year, but doesn't necessarily have to attend that university if they are accepted. 
So applying early, you know, again, can get you some more scholarship money. Early action single option is when you apply, use the early action uh, procedure, but you do it only at one school. Early admission is actually when you get accepted before you even graduate. Early decision, now this is important because a lot of families mix up early decision and early action. Early decision is means you are obligated to go. So if you have your heart set on a college and you get accepted, you definitely have to go there. So only use that option if you know that you know that you know you want to go somewhere. Uh, rolling admissions, um, that's when there's really no deadline for any applications to get in. And then waitlisting is when students are putting, put on a list and they get notified if there happens to be uh, some openings. So, so what do you need um, to get into college? You need your high school transcript. Usually you're gonna be sending in the first semester uh, you know, of your senior year. And remember I said, you go to college on everything you've done up until the end of your junior year. So that's why it's important uh, to have that strong GPA. Uh, your test scores, that's not only for college admittance, but certainly for the scholarship money. You know, you've heard me probably say that, you know, 85% of colleges are going to admit on that test score alone and give your money, so crucial. And letters of recommendation, uh, your resume or your brag sheet, and of course your application, which could, in most cases, is probably gonna be the Common App or uh, the Coalition App. So your application uh, for college, and now we're kind of getting into more the seniors, uh, but juniors can think ahead on this as well. Uh, and that is when you're filling out your application, uh, double check for errors. I mean, you can get your applications rejected for all kinds of things. Uh, so make sure as a parent, as a student, that you've got second set of eyes looking it over. Uh, you always wanna use the black ink if you're filling it out for the, if you're filling out a paper one. And remember to never leave a blank, no matter what. If it's something that doesn't apply, you're just gonna put it in a not applicable. Uh, use sealed envelopes. If you wanna make sure it gets there, use registered mail. Uh, make sure you have a standout college essay. That's a whole nother uh, podcast that we need to do. And then something kind of cool, and this is very new, and that is to use what's called Z-Me and that's spelled Z-E-E-M-E-E. -E -E. A lot of applications, especially the Common App, are using this, and what it is, it's a personalized application pro portfolio where you are able to add photos and videos and all kinds of you know, extra things to your Common App. So uh, it's not required, but it's, it's a great way to stand out amongst all the other applications. Uh, so again, I, I've been really blessed to work with a lot of college admissions counselors, uh, high school counselors, scholarship companies, uh, college planning companies, and I picked up really cool tips along the way from different people. And when I do, and if these are things nobody's ever heard of, I always put them in all my stuff to, to, to help you, you know, gain that edge. And then ultimately, of course, for your application, you want to meet that deadline. And so um, even though I'm not, I can't really go into a full thing on the, your standout essay, uh, because that would take a whole nother, you know, you know podcast or more. Uh, but I do want to tell you, it, when it does come to your, you know, your essay, you, how do you make it stand out? And keep in mind that, you know, you know optional is not optional. And, you know, rec recommended is required. 
So make sure that when you are doing your college essay, that you are creating that, you know, you're selling yourself and creating that personal statement and always answering the question. So, you know, I, some people like to get up on a tangent. Don't do that. If they've asked you a certain question, stick to it and be positive, very upbeat and, you know, be exclusive to that school. I, I, I had a company that I worked for for years doing college test prep for them. And one of the things that I picked up from them is that they said, if your application, if your, if your essay, if that college can insert any other college name, then throw it out and start all, all over. So be very, very exclusive uh, to that specific college when writing your essay. Now, juniors, when it comes to the essay, you've got more time and you can read previous essays that have been submitted. Um, they start releasing the prompts, you know, at a certain time of the year. And most prompts fall under four categories. Uh, you know, something about how you can be an influencer, you know, about how certain directions that, you know, you plan on going into, what are some obstacles you've overcome, or what are some of your accomplishments? And I'll, I'll give you a couple of prompts from a, a couple of years ago. Uh, for example, some students have a background, identity, interest, or talent that is so meaningful, they believe their application would be incomplete without it. If this sounds like you, then please share your story, okay? And almost half of students picked that prompt when it was, when it was presented a few years ago. Another one is the lessons we take from failure can be fundamental to later success. Recount an incident or time when you experienced failure. How did it affect you? What did you learn from the experience? And so about uh, 17 to 20% students picked that one. So the, the great thing as a junior, you can actually go online and find the release, the common applications. They'll give you you know, four or five examples of prompts that you, that you can pick from. And that allows you to have time to really work on it. And of course, ultimately, you know, you, you, you want to put your best test score on your transcript. Um, and that has to do, you know, whether you're taking SAT or ACT, uh, most, uh, nearly 90% of colleges will super score the SAT and 70% will super score the ACT. And that, that means they're going to take the highest score from different tests. So that's why you should take it many times. And there are actual colleges that will allow you to take the, the test even up until the day before you actually start class. So if you've got a senior right now, uh, you know, we're in October, uh, you know, you've still got several opportunities this year and maybe even going through the summer up until you start school next year. Juniors, uh, you know, you've got seven opportunities nationally this year to take an SAT or seven for an ACT. And uh, again, the, the goal is, of course, to get that test score over with in the junior year and leave the senior year's test optional. Now, when it comes to paying for college, I mean, the college is ridiculous. And, and there's no college or college degree that's worth spending years to pay off debt. None. None at all. And the projected college, even right now, in 2021, a public school the average is around 38,000. A private school, and this is annually, 73,000. An elite school, about 85,000. That is a year. That's an average. Uh, so it's, it's pretty ridiculous. And you know, the cost of college has gone up 600% in the last 25 years. We as a nation are in close to a $1.7 trillion debt when it comes 
to college loans. And the median debt is $100,000. And if you took that, it, it takes the average student somewhere around 20 years to pay off college loans. So it's not worth it. It's not worth not being able to, you know, graduate, have a clean slate, and not be able to buy a house, you know, get a mortgage, buy, you know, travel the world or, or whatever. Now, when it comes to paying for college, there's two types of financial aid. There's what's called gift aid and self-help. Gift aid is something like, a grant, a scholarship, or in other words, money that you do not pay back. Self-help, these are closer to work-study programs and basically loans. Now, what are words that you need to know? And I said these earlier, but what you need to know is EFC. Your EFC is your estimated family contribution. Your COA, that is your co the cost of attendance. Need is the difference between the two. Um, merit is basically when you get money based on something you've done, some accomplishment, whether it's athletics, whether it's music, whether it's your test scores. And then there's something really interesting I'm gonna tell you about, because one of the big mistakes of the FAFSA is a lot of people say, well, you know what, I'm not gonna qualify anyway. So I, for Pell Grant, which is usually around $55,000 AGI. Uh, so a lot of families just don't even fill it out. They don't even bother, like, well, we're not gonna get any money. Well. There's a thing called the FSEOG, FSEOG. That stands for uh, Federal Supplement Educational Opportunity Grant. And so this is for people for, uh, who don't, uh, don't qualify for the Pell Grant. Uh, so, you know, again, something, you know, I'm not a CPA, but again, something that you can definitely check into. So the, the numbers have it. And the good news about numbers is that there's $24 billion worth of scholarship money uh, annually. And there's at least, and there's many more, but 72 colleges that just out and out like give you no total free college uh, based on your income. And you know, a lot of colleges consider 60,000 low income, but Stanford considers $140,000 low income. At Harvard, you know, they have a thing called grading scale tuition to where you don't need, if you qualify to get into Harvard, you don't pay more than, if, you, if your income is between 120 and 180,000, you, you don't pay more than, you know, 10%. So if you've got a $120,000 income, you're paying $12,000 for, for Harvard. I mean, that's less than junior, junior colleges in some states. And there are also 400 colleges that will meet up to 100% of need. And as I said earlier, 85% of colleges are going to ultimately admit and give you money just simply based on a test score. And, you know, you, you know I've done test prep for 15 years, and it, it, it amazes me how people just do not make it a priority when you can ultimately write your own ticket to free college if you understand that not only SATs and ACTs and even CLTs are beatable, um, but the type of money that's tied directly to them. So let's talk about preparing for these tests. So SAT and ACT, I, I'm going to say, are close to 99% the same test. There is a crossover information. They were written by the same people. And, you know, what works for one works on the other test. And every college takes either one, so it really doesn't matter which one you pick. And so the problem that most people uh, run into, most students, is that they, they bomb them. They bomb them based on the fact that they think that they're about content, about what you know 
many a valedictorian have come to our class who have done terrible on an SAT or ACT, but they're really logic. They're, they're testing your critical thinking skills and how well you can answer questions under pressure because you get somewhere around a minute per question, which is not a lot long time when you've got passages to read and problems to work out. Unless you understand the shortcuts and how to answer the questions in 30 seconds or less, you're, you will run out of time. And, and the, even though, you know, we have a situation where we do see a lot of colleges temporarily suspending the test scores during the pandemic, they're not going away, no matter what you hear, because it's the only fair way to compare all students, no matter what school you go to, you know, what, where you live, how much money you have, how smart you are, because a 4.0 at one school is not the same as another, and you have to have some standardized test that levels the playing field, and that's why they use these type of tests. So when it comes to test prep, you know, we're talking juniors and seniors. And by the way, if you've got a senior right now and you've not done anything, don't worry. There's still plenty of time. I've seen that happen time and time again. Your student still has several more SATs or ACTs or both that they can take this year. So make it a priority. Start as soon as possible. Uh, it, you can even use it as an elective on your transcript, test prep, as a test skills or SAT prep, or you can kind of name it whatever you want. Now, both the, the SAT and the ACT do have the COVID-19 updates on their website. So if you're in an area that maybe is, you know, having some constant cancellations, uh, definitely check in to, you know, those updates because they're, they pretty much stay on top of those. Uh, but I do recommend, you know, taking those tests. And I do also recommend, uh, this is especially for your juniors, taking, if, if you get to pick and choose which ones and you only can take so many, definitely you want to take the ones that have the service that you can find out how well you've done. So on the SAT, they have what's called the QAS, the question and answer service. So for a small fee, your students can actually get the correct answers back in the mail. It's going to show you the difficulty level of each question. And it's going to give you a clean test booklet so that you can compare your scores to, you know, to, you know, how you remember how you took the test. And it also gives you another practice test for later on. The ACT has something similar. Uh, and th those are October, March, and May usually. You know, this year is kind of crazy, but, you know, that's generally when they have the QAS, QAA service. And then for the ACT, it's December, April, and June. So there's what's called the TIR, the test release, uh, uh, TIR, test re uh, information release. So again, I do recommend getting those and that's going to help you to, to make a game plan on how to work on your weaknesses. And certainly, you know, I'm a big believer in, in the CLT, which is, by the way, their enrollment, when, when the pandemic hit back in, you know, March, when everything started to get shut down and SATs and ACTs started getting canceled, uh, the CLT uh, enrollment steadily went up to a thousand percent increase every week. And that's because they were already remotely proctoring the, the, their tests. And so colleges were accepting the CLT in lieu of the SAT and ACT cancellation. So if you don't know about them, you know, check them out, cltexam.com. Uh, you take it on your own device. It's a shorter test. Um, it's used for scholarship money. It's used for college entrance. Uh, definitely, uh, they gave us a code to use for you to cut your registration in half. It's normally about $54, so you can cut that in half with the code CPG18. And colleges even super score the CLT. 
So, you, you know, it can be the, the big differentiator for you. I know what it, before the pandemic, Harvard, you know, was sent Jeremy Tate a letter that said, hey, you know what? Everybody that comes to Harvard already has a high SAT or ACT score. Uh, so take the CLT because that's the one thing that can, you know, make you stand out and, and differentiate between the others. So, again, it's something I definitely would recommend. Um, and, and if you right now are in a situation where your SATs and ACTs are not, uh, you know, not happening be because of the, the pandemic, then I highly recommend that you contact CLT, cltexam.com, um, and ask them what you need to do. Don't contact the college, and I'll tell you why. And that's because you're going to probably get some sophomore who works in the office who knows nothing about the CLT and is going to give you wrong information. Contact CLT and ask them, hey, I'm going to, we're going to XYZ College. We need an SAT score. Uh, we have none being administered in our area. How do I use a CLT? And, and they'll give you direction because they've been doing this for months. And like I said, um, they, they can't even keep up with the applications that are coming in. And this has been going on since March. Uh, the differences between the test, SAT, ACT, and CLT are very minor. And that's why you can use the same strategies on each, uh, whether, you know, it's the English and pretty much is the same on all of them. The reading pretty much the same, math, same. Science, uh, only on the a ACT, but again, you don't have to know anything, any one iota of scientific knowledge to beat the science section because ultimately you just treat it like the, the reading passage section on the SAT. Uh, so keep, keep that in mind. What works for one works for all. And, you know, that comes down to timing. And um, a lot of students will tell me they don't, they can't finish a test on time, which is pretty typical because on the ACT, you get anywhere from 36 seconds, 52 seconds, and 60 seconds to answer questions, read passages, work out problems, and transcribe your answer. There's logistically no way you can do it if you don't understand, unless you understand the how to answer questions quickly and know the shortcuts and the strategies. SAT, same thing, 47 seconds, 75 seconds. I mean, it's just no way. Even the CLT, you get from 52 to 68 seconds per question. Uh, but again, they can all be answered very, very quickly once you understand that it's just a test of recurring patterns. So yes, you know, your SATs and ACTs and even CLTs can determine where you get to go to college and ultimately who is going to pay. And, you know, if you've got a student who appears to be a bad test taker, I think we've done a podcast on that. It's really a matter of training your brain to think logically and gaining that test maturity and lessening that anxiety. And that really comes from starting early. Um, you know, I think Bill Gates said we often uh, overestimate what we can do in a year and underestimate what we can do in 10 years. And so a lot of families think they've got lots of time, especially if they have a pretty smart kid. They think, oh, no big deal. My kid's smart. They'll do really well. And then I get the calls of, oh, my gosh, I can't believe my really, really smart kid who has high GPA and honors classes bombed the SAT. And that's, it, it does take a different skill set. Mm -hmm. So you have to know that. And, you know, these tests are beatable. And ultimately, it's a matter of knowing that the questions are purposely misleading and the wrong answers can be very tricky, very appealing. And so, you know, we've been teaching test prep for, for years on how students can beat the test. And ultimately, you know, we've seen students who've raised, not only raised their score, SATs as high as 700 points and 
ACTs as high as nine points, they've used the skills on other tests like certainly the PSAT and the CLT, but even the LSAT or the GRE or the real estate test or CPA test. And I've got a long list of tests, but it's because test scores all based are all based on a standardized test, which has standardized questions and standardized answers. And they pretty much all follow a very similar format. And that is there is one objective, indisputable answer and several distractors. And that's how you learn the format and that's how you beat the test. So ultimately, if you've got a junior or senior right now, you still got time. You still have time to uh, get them into a college, into hopefully the college of their choice. They've got time to take tests and, and, and there's alternatives. And we did a, a podcast on testing in the time of COVID-19 where we give all kinds of alternatives right now if you're in that situation where you're at. So do recommend that you uh, go watch that, that pod, go to that podcast as well. So hopefully this has helped you, uh, your junior and senior. Mm-hmm. And if you want to know more about how to beat the test, you can go to our website, collegeprepgenius.com. We've got live virtual boot camps, three-day boot camps, eight-week boot camps. We have an e-course. And, you know, we're starting to kind of open up our live in-person classes, depending on um, the states. Uh, but that's kind of been a slow go uh, because everything is so different for every place that, you, um, that you're at. So hopefully that helps you. I appreciate uh, your time. Let me know if you have any questions. And... Uh, I'd love I put, to answer those. I put all your contact information on the show notes as well. I've got all the office numbers and everything. So, um, Jean, you knocked it out of the ballpark. I took a ton of notes, and you have uh, so much information here that is, is really, really helpful. Uh, so um, you can find the show notes for today's episode at College Prep Genius Podcast, or sorry, collegeprepgenius.com forward slash podcast. And then um, today's episode is called Checklist for College uh, 11-12, but you can find it on that page as well. Um, Jean, thank you so much. And we're going to be doing an additional series. Uh, Quickly uh, tell them what the other grades are that we're going to be covering. Well, next we're going to tackle the ninth and 10th grade. Then we're going to move on to 7th and 8th and then 4th through 6th. And there are things that you can actually be doing in all of those grades to set your child up for success, uh, getting into college, you know, having the best experience, and hopefully ultimately getting it all done for free. Wonderful. Well, thanks again, Jean. I'm excited about the new book. I didn't jump back on and say that, but congrats. We've been talking about all the books you could be writing if you just could make two, clone yourself and there could be two of you. Uh, but uh, you know, um, I really appreciate you coming on uh, today because this is wonderful information. So thank you. Thank you. Well, thanks so much for listening to the College Prep Genius Radio Show. You can find more episodes at collegeprepgenius.com forward slash podcast or listen on iTunes, on your favorite podcast app, on your phone, on your computer, or on the go. Remember, visit collegeprepgenius.com for more information, and we'll see you soon.